whatever your job is, if you have any responsibility of being able to sell a cigar to selling a Ferrari or some type of high valued service, understanding how to first discover the wants of your customer and then communicate what needs they have on top of that is where you're going to be able to close sales after sales after sales. My name is Kyle Willis and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Okay, let's get going. We got another episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I am your host, Kyle Willis. Excited to be with you guys today, wherever you're joining us from. If you're on the road, if you're listening in your car, if you're listening on your phone, sitting at home, whatever it is, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, If you checked out our first episode, what we have going here is a podcast on marketing coming from the Roosevelt Room in Seattle. Washington. And here in the beginning, I'll be just being able to bring to you a few conversations, a few thoughts I have on marketing as a whole, from a sales perspective, from mindset, from tactics, from implementation. Uh, here in the beginning, it will be me you get the pleasure of listening to. Then as we get going, a few episodes later, I'll start bringing in some experts to join me in conversations as it relates to marketing to support your business and give you the practical insights you need to grow. So as we are here today, if you saw our title for this episode, I've been using a quote I love from our man, Teddy Roosevelt, and we'll use this as a foundation for our topic of conversation. Uh, In 1906, Teddy Roosevelt was asked by Lieutenant Douglas MacArthur what attributed to his popularity. You see, Roosevelt was loved by the public. Whatever side of the political spectrum you fell on, it was hard not to love the guy, as he was a magician at being able to bring both sides together and find common ground and be able to create peace amongst parties that normally could not find a way to get along. In fact, if you don't know, Teddy Roosevelt was the first American to ever win the Nobel Peace Prize. So what what happened here in 1906, MacArthur, seeing just how beloved uh, Roosevelt is, asked him, what uh, is attributed to your popularity? Why does everybody love you? And Roosevelt's response to MacArthur was that he put into words what is in the hearts and minds of the people, but not in their mouths. Roosevelt was the man. And I mean, just ability to recognize this is the issue uh, that... People don't know how to communicate what they really want, what they really need. And my job as president, my job as their leader, is to be able to take what's in their hearts and minds and put it into words. This guy knew what to say, when to say it, how to make everyone feel like it was the best idea ever. I imagine what Roosevelt would have been like if he was in sales. For a guy known to say... If you got them by the balls, their hearts and minds will follow. I kid you not, that's a real quote by Roosevelt. This guy understood something most of us fail to comprehend when it comes to sales. People buy out of emotion and justify out of logic. 
certainly didn't create that phrase. Uh, you may have heard that before, but it's something I absolutely believe in. Say it again. People buy out of emotion and justify out of logic. Uh, recently, a Harvard Business School professor, Gerald Zaltman, said that 95% of our purchase decision uh, making takes place subconsciously. So the reality is uh, we make these decisions quite quickly in our head, but then justify our decisions to validate whatever emotion went into making that almost impromptu decision. We, th- we feel, therefore we think. I read an interesting article uh, by Daniel Priestley the other day that I thought illustrated this perfectly. In it, he says that Singapore, this is just quite an interesting fact, Singapore has one of the highest density populations on earth and its government doesn't like cars very much. So what the government does is charge an insanely high tax on vehicles to discourage people from buying them. Okay, so a basic car in Singapore costs more than most luxury cars in the U.S. or England or Canada. But there are no long stretches of winding scenic roads in Singapore, and a top speed limit is 90 kilometers per hour. So if you are wanting to take that hot rod out for a drive across Highway 1, not going to happen in Singapore. You don't have any room to drive like that, let alone the speed to get up there and enjoy it. The interesting thing is, Singapore sells more Ferraris per person than almost any other country on the planet. No one in Singapore needs a Ferrari. They need a Toyota Prius. A Ferrari is a ridiculous car to own in this particular country. There's not a single place on the island that a Ferrari would be fun to drive. It's nearly impossible to get a supercar past second gear in Singapore. So... Considering that Singapore is also one of the most expensive places to buy a Ferrari, I mean, practically it's about four to six times more expensive than it is in the U.S. or in England, why do so many people own them in Singapore? What Daniel says is that they buy them because they want one, not because they need one. He says, we can go broke trying to tell people what they need. However, we'll do very well if we figure out what people want and figure out how to get it for them. See, need is logical and want is emotional. Emotions will win every time, even with the most intelligent people. So, Most likely, you've heard the saying, sell what someone wants, but deliver what they need. Effective sales in any business begins by meeting the emotional needs of your audience. That is what we're going to be focusing on here in our conversation. What does it mean and how do we meet the emotional needs of our audience? So once we've met that emotional need, then the job is to give them the empirical evidence to help them justify the decision. Once again, we feel And then we think, we buy out of emotion, we justify out of logic. So as experts, our clients, our customers are coming to us looking for guidance, for our expertise to appease their concerns, give them confidence in our abilities and faith that they'll be better off with us than if they went with someone else. The problem, they don't know how to communicate this. They need 
you to take what's in their hearts and minds and put into words so it comes out of their mouths. This is what Teddy understood so well that I think this quote is so relevant for us as business owners, sales representatives, whatever your job is, if you have any responsibility of being able to sell a cigar to selling a Ferrari or some type of high valued service, understanding how to first discover the wants of your customer and then communicate what needs they have on top of that is where you're going to be able to close sales after sales after sales. About two years ago, I had one of our clients come to me a bit frustrated with one of the guys on my team as he felt that he was not seeing the results he hoped for out of a Google AdWords campaign we were running for him. For the sake of the story, I'll call the client Jim and I'll call my employee Bob. Obviously not real names. And for to give you a little glimpse in the story, this is still an active client of ours, so things have been turned around quite well to get ahead. But back to the story, Jim came to me saying, all right, Kyle, we've hired you to run our AdWords and we're seeing some sales, but we're just not seeing much. I'm a bit frustrated. I think we should be doing better. So, all right, Jim, well, tell me what do you feel is your frustration? Uh, What do you feel that the challenge is? And as he said, you know, I keep telling Bob that I want him to run these ads and uh, go after these types of products that we sell. And we're just not selling many of those products. So I don't know if he just if he's doing a bad job or what's going on but we're not getting many sales so let me connect with Bob as he's one managing your account and really understand just what he's seeing on his end and come back to you with a response and plan of action so I went back to Bob said hey Bob this is what I'm hearing from Jim he's a bit frustrated We'd love to know what's going on in your end Bob said man Kyle I'm having the hardest time because uh, Jim keeps coming to me asking me to change the products we're going after changing the keywords and because of the limited budget we have and time and how often he's wanting to make these changes I don't get the opportunity to really optimize these campaigns because we're changing so much and because of the constant change there's not enough data for me to really act on and optimize. It's basically start, stop, start, stop. And if we could really give some time to being able to run on the products that are most important to Jim, I think we'd actually see some real sales here instead of all these quick little campaigns that end before they really got off the ground. So well, that's absolutely true. Yeah, if we're changing that often, then we, we can't be that, that can't be happening. So I went back to Jim. I said, hey, Jim, here's what uh, the challenge Bob's having is that we're changing so much and explained to him what Bob, what Bob had to say. And Jim said, Kyle, I've hired you to be the expert. I need you to tell me that. I need Bob to tell me that's a bad idea. We just started this campaign. We need to... Uh, we need to give it a little bit more time. So you're absolutely right, Jim. That is absolutely our job to be able to tell you that. And I'll make sure my team knows, does that and has the confidence to be able to speak that up. And it was such an eye opening to me first off to make sure my employees know what it means to be hired as the expert, what it means to guide our clients in this journey of lead acquisition, sales, brand awareness. And as much as we want our clients to tell us what they want, as that's step number one, as we deliver what they want, we have to then 
bring the empirical evidence to show those results and if something that they want is not going to be of service to them be able to help guide them to see what it me- what the value is to let a campaign run longer what if, what the value is to not change so quickly and when something should be ended that they may want to continue so that was that was the big difference we saw of all right we need to be able to guide our customers our clients and help deliver what they want you know the end goal for for this client was for jim was to be able to say we made more sales. He didn't really care what the keywords were. He didn't care how long a campaign was. At the end of the day, all he wanted to know is, did you make me more money than what we spent on those ads? That's what uh, what his emotional status was. And any frustration he had with Bob was because emotionally he was not happy with what he was seeing. And his justification for that frustration was these guys aren't doing a good job. And Bob saying, man, I'm, I'm an expert, but I'm trying to make you happy and do what you want, needed to be able to say, this. there's a better way to do this. Bob, I know what you want. Or sorry, Jim, I know what you want. And, and you got to trust me on this. Steve Jobs is famous for saying, people don't know what they want until you show it to them. If he tried giving people what they wanted when all they were familiar with was a Walkman or a Discman, that he would never have been able to deliver on that desire of putting a thousand songs in your pocket. The iPod at the time was that disruption of what people were familiar with to be able to give them what they wanted practically, emotionally, songs at any time I want in a way they didn't know how they really wanted it in a modern device like the iPod that could not be dependent upon tapes or physical CDs. So in that same way of being able to understand the root, the foundation of what your customers really want is that they don't want just a product. They don't want just a service. They want the end goal, the end result. Yes, it may be sales. Yes, it may be uh, brand awareness. But all of that is tied back to understanding what are they truly after? What is it that is going to give them that emotional state of satisfaction? Satisfaction. And so it is your responsibility to understand those customer wants and then what they think they need, what they think is going to bring them what they want and be able to deliver on that uh, in addition to what they really need. As we understood that Jim was looking for more sales and specific products, we knew that, all right, Bob, you got to be able to communicate to him and lead him, guide him to be able to say when those products need to end, when those products need to stop, uh, and when those products need to uh, change out and be able to say, yep, this is the right time. No, Jim, we're not ready yet and guide him in that process because at the end of the day, all Jim's going to hold us responsible for is did you make me money or did you not? So let's bring this all together. If people buy emotionally and justify logically, what does it mean to put into words what is in their hearts and minds but not in their mouths? 
Let's apply this to a practical sales situation. Let's say that you're talking to a prospective client and find out they're not getting good service from their current service provider. But you discover that because they chose that service provider, they don't wanna admit that they're getting poor service. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a prospective client who've literally convinced themselves into believing that what they're getting in a monthly retainer, what they paid a web designer for, it is worth it because of some load of excuses the service provider gave the client or the client is telling themselves. Now, back to our story, if that salesperson comes along and tries to show the prospective client that their current service provider is not serving them well, the prospect experience is something called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is when someone holds two or more contradictory beliefs at the same time, thinking, I hired an expert so they must be good and I'm doing something wrong versus I hired an idiot and I'm the bigger idiot for having not fired them yet. Two contrary, uh, contradictory beliefs, but that you battle between both of them, not knowing which one is right. That's that cognitive dissonance. And humans have an overriding desire to be consistent in their thoughts, beliefs, values, and actions. So they must reduce, separate themselves from that dissonance. Pick one of those options and stay with it. Stop going back and forth between those two contradictory beliefs. So... In the prospect's brain, uh, they work hard to reduce that dissonance by justifying the decision they made. It's gonna get better. I'll see more sales next month. What a good blog article they wrote. They got me new fans on Facebook. Whatever they tell themselves to feel like they got something to show for what they invested. Now, as a prospect tries to justify logically their past decision in hiring that poor service provider, they make the new salesperson out to be the bad guy. The salesperson is the source of that cognitive dissonance, so there's a negative association with that salesperson. This negative association is now a negative emotion not to buy from you. So... What does that mean then? Should we not say to our, a prospective client, you're getting poor service, you should fire that person immediately? Do you know how much you're getting ripped off? Yes, all true, but that's not the way to create the relationship and, and, and help them separate from that dissonance in a way that positions you as the expert. If you go that route, you are not putting into words what's in their hearts and minds. You're just helping them be even more frustrated and, and not give them the, the remedy out. So the way to avoid that feeling, the way to avoid that negative association, that negative emotion, again, because they're first going to buy off that emotion and then justify logically, the way to avoid it is to ask the prospect, what do you like about your current situation? When you ask people what they like, you trigger the neg the, uh, their negativity effect or bias. If there are negatives, even though you ask them what they do like, they're going to point out what they don't like. They're going to be able to mention maybe a few positives, but quickly shift to those negatives. And if they don't have negatives, they won't get, uh, go there and you'll be able to disqualify quickly. You'll be able to say, all right, these are the things you like. Sweet. These are the things you need more of. Are you getting enough of those? Let's talk through that. If they're mainly focusing on the negative because they're the ones bringing it up, not you, you've allowed them to create the reality of I got a problem and I need to fix this. 
So in that, you'll be able to emotionally speak to what they like, what they want to see more of, and then guide them through this process of how what they really need will give them more of what they really like. You really like seeing X, Y, and Z? This is how you generate more of that. Are you doing that currently, or would you like help to create more of what you really like? This approach, it's also disruptive. Let's talk a moment about disruptive behavior. Our brains are designed to alert us when there is something dangerous or something fascinating. If something isn't dangerous or fascinating, our brains will go into autopilot and dismiss that thing. When you do the unexpected, you are engaging in disruptive behavior. This is one of the reasons we call our company No to the Quo, because we are big fans of stepping outside status quo and helping our clients look beyond what everyone else is doing. So when you ask about the positives to your prospective client instead of the negatives, this is fascinating to their brain because it's the unexpected. Most people will say, well, what, you know, what are your, your pains? Yes, we always want to highlight that. But what are your pains that uh, will always make them feel the negative? So if we help them, if we allow them to speak to their pain by making them feel the positive side, this is where the fascination comes and helps them start paying attention of, man, I actually really like talking this person they're very positive and then you empower them to highlight the good point out the bad and it gives you that stage to then create more positives by eliminating the negatives because they brought up what they aren't liking about their current service provider you're able to speak to what can be done to change that even if that's not your responsibility or if they've not hired you yet one of the things I love and one of my mentors Jeff Moore says is Kyle whenever he talks to me as a service provider says you know Kyle it's your responsibility to present every offer opportunity and option out there even if that means they aren't going to work with you and so often when I'm on a call with a prospective client I'll let him know in our conversation if what you're looking for is not a good fit for what we do I'm not going to try to steer you in a direction of what we do well just so you hire me I'm going to give you the option of what it's of what else you should be doing that someone else can deliver on and make that introduction to who the right person is that's going to serve you so again as a prospect recaps what they like, they're gonna give you the insight to their emotional state. Most likely, they'll explain why they liked it or whom else liked it if they have someone to report to, meaning if, if, if their boss is the one who's gonna be the one to decide who to, to hire you or not, they know that this is what my boss is looking for, this is what my customers are looking for, and therefore, I want to deliver on what they like to see. And that's now the justification. That's the reasoning behind what matters to them. Now we've won them over. We know what they want. They know we've listened and we'll give it to them. But better yet, you fascinated them with the beauty of what could be by listening to what is positive in their mind and in their current experience. You said, I'll appease you with what you want, but there's something you may not know or even want yet, but when I'm done telling about you about it, you're not going to be able to live without it. If you ask expected questions in the sales process, the prospect's brain will go into autopilot. If you do something fascinating, the prospect's going to pay attention. This is what will set you apart from your competition. This is how you put into words what's in their hearts and minds but not in your mouths. 
Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to, so thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.